Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture. Presented by Cape and Cowl Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I'm joined by Rainier. Rainier, how's it going, man? Hey, what's up, Henry? Long time, no chat. It has been a little while since last chat. How's it going? I'm doing well. Um, my schedule's been a little crazy as of late. Things have been really busy, um, but I'm still reading comics, still watching movies, still watching TV. Excellent. As best as I can. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yep, there is uh, this thing called life that gets in the way of, of all the important things in, uh, in our fandom, <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but uh, today, as we kind of teased previously, we're going to talk some toys, yeah? There was a uh, collectibles, collectibles, collectibles. Okay, well, let's get this straight. See, that, that's why you're here, man. Because y- you you definitely uh, have have a lot more knowledge ab- about these things than me. So we're we're gonna get into collectibles, as I say. <laughs> um, but real quick before we do that, before I forget, um, let us not forget that the Comic Sauce Podcast is an official affiliate of the Silicon Valley Comic Con. And uh, so let's give them a quick plug. Silicon Valley Comic Con, a.k.a. SVCC, is coming soon, April 6th through April 8th. So Friday through Sunday, three-day con in San Jose, California. It is an outstanding convention that we've both attended and enjoyed immensely. Any, any thoughts on SVCC, Rainier? Yeah, look at this. I've been gone for, what, a couple of weeks, and you're already going big time without <laughs> me? <laughs> we're, we're doing great things here, man. Silicon Valley Comic Con, we attended the first year. We attended their inaugural year. Was that 2015, 2016? Oh, uh, 16. 2016, yeah. yeah. Although we even attended it before they called it Silicon Valley Comic Con, right? Yeah, it was previously Big Wow. Right. In San Jose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've been down for a while now. Uh, so I think it's appropriate that we're, uh, we're an affiliate. And um, yeah, looking forward to that con. And if you are interested in attending the con, uh, please be sure to purchase your tickets, your autographs, and your photo ops through our exclusive Comic Sauce podcast link which I will include in this episode's description. Uh, And you will, by doing so, give love to our podcast. Show the love. That's right. Okay, on to the toys that made us. So this is a Netflix show that you and I enjoyed quite a bit. I recommend this to anyone. You don't have to be a collector. You don't even have to be, you know, a comic geek or whatever, you know, this is just a good show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just four episodes in, um, so you can burn through it pretty quickly. But really good stuff, man. Um, from what I've heard, uh, there's going to be another four episodes dropping soon. Like when exactly, we don't know. It's Netflix, you know, they can drop shit on us. Like Not like, soon enough. Yeah, like, who knows, right? Yeah, not soon enough, exactly. Um so the the currently available episodes focus on Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Barbie, and He-Man. And from what I've heard, the next four are going to be Transformers, 
Hello Kitty, Lego, and Star Trek. So highly anticipating the new apps. Um, but before we look ahead, why don't we look at what has come out? You know, I, I remember when when these episodes dropped. I mean, we haven't talked about them in full on the podcast, but like just around the office, like a lot of people were talking about this show. Um, and yeah, like what was your experience uh, watching this show? I mean, if you were a kid around in the 80s, even let's see, or even the 70s with Star Wars, yeah. you would definitely appreciate this show. I mean, you've got, you know, I mean, it starts off with Star Wars. I can't think of a more appropriate way to start this. It's, it's you know, equal parts nostalgia, equal parts entertainment, equal parts history yeah. uh, in terms of toys and collectability. But uh, they set the stage well with Star Wars. Yeah. I can't imagine what toys were collectible at the time before Star Wars. Yeah. And right? I think I think in the show they, they talk about it, how toys were not collected before Star Wars. It just wasn't a thing. No, right? Toys were played with. They were open. They were beat up. And they were destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it really, the Star Wars toys, they really created this whole new thing these collectibles it's, it's pretty amazing i thought it was pretty smart of them to start with star wars too because star wars is is so beloved and it's so widely watched around the world you know it's it, i think it's a harder sell to like click on an episode that's centered around he-man you know that's a little bit more niche um but when you hear about star wars like oh yeah i know star wars and then you sort of realize like the great care and effort and depth that they go into uh, with not only the Star Wars episodes, but for, for all of these, you know, it's just, just really I mean, in some awesome. way, shape, or form, everyone has some personal tie to Star Wars. Yeah. And I think they just went for the biggest audience possible, and Star mm -hmm. Wars is it. Yeah. And then it sort of drew, drew you in, right? It's like, oh, and they, they went into a lot of interesting directions with the Star Wars episodes. Like, I can't wait to see what they do with the others. You know, I wasn't a Barbie toy collector, uh, but I was interested in that episode too. I, I, could, I saw what they did with the Star Wars episode. I saw what they did with the G.I. Joe and He-Man episodes. I was like, dude, this is just interesting content. I, I want to watch this just like any other sort of interesting documentary. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So I did uh, have a G.I. Joe specific episode a while back uh, so we don't want to get into a lot of detail there and I specifically wanted to wait uh, for for you to be be available for, for this episode oh, I feel so special yeah oh you are special because <laughs> um, I know you in particular have interest in collectibles now we don't have to get into all the nitty-gritty details but I would love to know like you as a collector, like how did you feel about how this series portrayed other collectors? Like what was, what were your thoughts as you watched this? Uh, you know, I don't think it actually highlighted collectors themselves. I think that was a small portion of the show. Mm -hmm. What it really highlighted were, you know, enthusiasts of, of, of toys, enthusiasts of the history um, and, you know, the emotional ties that, toys can bring to people even the psychology of of collecting anything uh i think is brought to light and then you're yeah. also brought into the history of how 
you know, these toys were made, how they were designed, how they were marketed, how they were sold. Uh, so you yeah. really get the inside track from an industry perspective. Uh, yeah, the yeah. toy collectors that they brought in, I think, were more um, in enthusiasts and in many ways historians, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. The, the focus was probably more on the creators and the business people around the toys than the collectors themselves, right? Um, I, yeah, they did talk to some collectors, and I think each episode ends with like some clips of like some particularly epic collections, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. There, there wasn't a huge focus on the collectors. And I think that that's kind of the trappings of like a toy documentary because some of the, some toy collectors are, let's be honest, a little off the wall and um, can be pretty interesting subject matter. Um, but <laughs> I, I like, you know, I like the focus on just kind of the business side of things and like, like how did G.I. Joe become this like phenomenon? How did Star Wars Star Wars toys become like a huge phenomenon? Like that's pretty interesting, right? And and that's the thing too. There's a wide range of types of collectors that are out there. Uh, I think in general, it seems like collectors um, portrayed in 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 media are. You know they're portrayed as like the you know the the guys that are still living under their parents basement yeah. playing video games all day and they just have toys stacked all over their walls displayed <laughs> um, yeah. but that's not it's not limited to that man like i mean they're you have the higher end collectors that actually buy you know toys and collectibles that have historical significance things that are uh you know there's there's prop collectors out there that buy like screen used props from movies yeah, um, yeah i mean there's a wide range of 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 you know those types of collectors yeah yeah i think then you have your uh you have your ebay sellers yeah the guys that are toy hunting at toys r us right when they open so they can just go and resell it on ebay for uh you know for a thousand percent markup mm-hmm yeah, you make a good point. You make an, a number of good points that I think if the show kind of went into that like collector side of it, it would have been this whole other can of worms because yeah, there there isn't just one type of collector. You know, there's the type of collector who's like kind of making a business out of it, like trying to make money. There's the collector who is just doing it out of pure passion. And yeah, there's all different types, right? So I thought, yeah, it was a good idea not to focus too much on, on the collector. I thought it was smart of them, yes, to focus more so on the industry and the behind the scenes yeah. of like the industry makings. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I would argue, you know, like we've seen like jokes made about, you know, toy collectors, comic collectors, etc. a lot. You know, it's kind of an old joke and and I think it was almost perfected in uh, this SNL fake commercial. Did you see this one about like Star, Star Wars, Wars one? Toys? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have a chance, just go on YouTube and, and type in like SNL Star Wars commercial and just be prepared to laugh your ass off because it is hilarious. And I think in, I mean, in a nutshell, that video shows it, it, it tries to mimic an old eighties cartoon with kids playing with toys. Yeah. And then it's, um, it contrasts that next to adults yeah. that collect toys, you know? And so the kids are looking at the adults like, what do you mean you're buying these <laughs> and yeah. just putting them behind a display case? Right. Like these middle-aged dudes who are buying toys like these kids, but they're doing 
much different things with the toys, right? They're collecting them and not playing with them at all, right? <laughs> so, yeah, just I mean, check it out. It's funny. You have a kid that's, like, reenacting a scene from Star Wars with the action figures taking, taken out of the package, right? They're recreating a scene. Yeah. And then you have this other guy that's – it's just a very quiet moment where he – carefully places the toy in a glass case and just slowly closes the case yeah <laughs> they both share the same <laughs> excitement but uh completely different ways of showing enjoyment <laughs> yep yep and i would say in just like a few minutes skit they, they just totally nailed it and you know i don't like it, it, it's brilliant and i think it's good that this netflix show kind of took a different approach like they were just more focused on like the creation of the toys and and the history of it right Mm -hmm. oh there is an interesting divide though amongst collectors uh those that keep their toys like mint and package Mm -hmm. uh, and displayed or those that open them up uh and play with them so what's your stance on that topic uh man i'm you know i'm i'm in between Mm -hmm. i mean if you look at some of the toys that are put out, like some of them have like great like packaging and artwork. And so that in it in of itself is like really cool to display. So yeah. like to tear it open and throw it away is a bit of a shame, but at the same time to keep something that's like, you know, really well articulated that you can like pose and maneuver, you know, having that encased in plastic and not being able to showcase how, it, how well it can be displayed is a bit of a shame. So on that note, there, there is an ongoing joke about toy collectors in that they don't buy just one toy that they want to collect, right? <laughs> one to open, one to keep mint and card, right? Right. And then one just in case too, right? <laughs> one just in case the apocalypse hits. <laughs> there you go. So, I mean, you know, it, to me, if you're a collector, that almost makes sense because you get the joy of playing with the toy, but you also get the, you know, perfect condition version that you're not going to open right where, where do you stand on it would you open uh would you open a collectible toy to play with it or would you just display it mint and package man i mean that's a tough question i think to me it's sort of like well what are you what are you looking to get out of this if you're buying a toy as a collectible then i wouldn't open it if t- in my mind i have this item that is a collectible item, I wouldn't open it. Um, But if I bought a toy that I want to use as a toy, you know, we're both parents now, something that our kids can play with, then yeah, of course, let let them play with it, right? (laughs) So uh, to to me, there's a pretty distinct divide on, okay, a toy versus a collectible. And a a collectible, I keep it in the box. You know, you keep it in the box, though. Is that because in the future, your intent is to sell it at a markup? Another good question. (laughs) Because (laughs) see, that's the thing that conflicts a lot of toy collectors. It's like there are toy collectors out there that are like, "Um, I'm going to keep it in package. Why? Right, right. (laughs) Are you going to sell it? No, I'm not going to sell it. Personal value. (laughs) But then if you're not going to sell it. How much is it worth to you? Are you going to open it? <laughs> this is an interesting conversation. We could probably go back and forth on this I all day. Probably could. <laughs> but I would say, you know, if you're if if the collector is saying one day I want to sell this for a lot of money, okay, that makes a lot of sense. You don't want to touch it. But if the answer is like me, you know, I don't intend on selling this. I just want to keep it. Um, it does raise the question, like, why not open it then? You know, <laughs> in my mind, it's like, well, once you know, if you've broken the seal, whatever you want to call it, that value just goes down, you know, and it's, it's, it's 
it's like a new car right off the yeah, lot it loses it's, like, its value uh, instantly you're just like boom you're like losing dollars and but see there's this there's this gray tough. area there there are toys out there that are meant to be open that can be resealed mm. um you know there are things in package that they just look better out of the package yeah um, that's a yeah. bit of a gray area yeah and speaking of gray area a lot of collectibles now are kind of like display ready like if you don't open it they, they kind of look nice on your shelf right i think the funko yeah. pops are, are kind of designed that way right yeah 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 so a lot those, of gray those, those are resealable too you can open them they're not taped mm. you can put them right back as if they've never been opened well how about that yeah so you can kind of get your cake and eat it too right you yeah play with your toys and just make sure you wipe the fingerprints off <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they still remain collectible. Not bad, not bad. Oh, man, some of those pop figures, I can't believe how much I've seen them marked up at Comic-Con. Do you oh, remember yeah. those I pointed out? They were like 600 bucks, 1000 bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> so that's, uh, that's an interesting topic, you know, the value of these collectibles. And it's, it's pretty interesting to me, like, how some collectibles really skyrocket and, and some don't. You know, it's sort yeah. of an unpredictable thing, right? Yeah. I think the it's I think the vintage toys, specifically like Star Wars, things that are not being reproduced, things that have historical value or historical significance, um, I think a lot of those will hold or retain yeah. the majority of their value. Sure, they right. they dip up and down, but yeah. new toys, man, can you can you? I I know people when okay, so when the new. Uh, when the prequels for Star Wars came out, I remember I had mm. fr- friends of mine were buying Star Wars Star Wars toys off the shelves, like in droves. Yeah, thinking, oh, you know, if I hold on to this long enough, I could pay for my kids' college tuition. <laughs> and sure yeah. enough, like six months down the road, they're marked down at like a dollar ninety nine at KB right. Toy Store. Remember that toy store? Yeah, KB. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, they touched upon that in the Star Wars episode. How there was this like speculator market. And those episode one toys in particular, like ton of them, ton of them went straight to like the clearance bins, you know, particularly like Jar Jar Binks, right? <laughs> so yeah, man, it's it's hard to gauge. Like a, a big part of collectability is the rarity yeah. of these items, right? And it's like the rarity and the demand for them that really kind of dictates the value, right? But that's kind of like it's so hard to gauge because once something is in demand, toy makers are going to tend to create more of them, yep. thereby lowering the, the rarity of them, right? So it's this weird thing, like the collectability is really this, it's, it's this moving target almost, right? It yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, and speaking of uh, the episode one toy release, I'm curious. Did you do this? There was a like a midnight release uh, that I did attend. I guess this is pretty common now. When oh I'm, yeah, like for Force toys. Friday. Yeah, I Force think Friday. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like um, I think before they even called it Force Friday, I remember in like 1999 before Episode One came out, the release of the toys was almost as big as the release of the movie. Right? They had <laughs> yeah. like midnight uh, releases at toy shops. And um, I went to the one in San Francisco. There, there, there was a toy shop there called FAO Schwartz, mm-hmm. and it's no longer there, but it was this huge kind of like toy mecca for a long time. And I went there with a couple of my friends and we lined up and like right at the strike of midnight, 
there was this like mad rush of like old dudes <laughs> it was awesome man it was so much fun there are all these like news crews around and stuff and i picked up like a qui-gon Jin lightsaber and a darth maul action figure and and uh it was exciting yeah man. yeah sounds like the hype got you oh it totally got <laughs> me man i was like i was ready for it dude i think uh i didn't attend those then uh i don't think i was as active on the internet at that time mm-hmm. <laughs> so i don't think i even had an idea that was happening um it did become much more prevalent with the the newer star wars movies oh yeah uh to oh, me yeah. that yep. uh force fridays was a thing oh yeah yeah there's a whole legacy of star wars toys that lives on to this day you know that's another great thing about that star wars episode you know it talked a lot about like this this mania when Mm -hmm. the toys released for the original trilogy but you know it's still relevant like we still see this like mad dash for these toys you know to this day with with the new episodes and everything Mm -hmm. so totally relevant now i'm curious on your end watching these these this show were there particular episodes that you liked more than others like what were your favorites they all had really let's see each episode had really unique things i mean um what was my favorite uh so as a kid i was i was really big on gi joe's same here uh really big on Mm he-man um he-man came out a little later so that is a little more fresh in my memory uh let's see the star wars episode okay i'll I'll tell you this what stuck out to me was the guy that helped design the prototypes for the jawas how he used his sock as the (laughs) prototype cape to use for the jawas and that was what was presented to lucasfilm yeah that was hilarious and that guy that that guy's entire presentation was just hilarious yeah yeah and like it just goes to show like you know how off the cuff and and you know how innovative these guys had to be mm-hmm. um you know i had no idea that these guys were trying to design toys from very minimal design specs because lucasfilm was holding really close to the chest yeah. their movies they didn't want anything to leak so they could only provide them with just a tidbit of of design specs so that's what they had to work off of yeah yeah, and for them to be able to launch such a successful toy line off of that like that's that's amazing yeah 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 totally and this was never done before like toys for movies like that was always just an afterthought you Mm -hmm. look at toys for movies now man i mean like you're talking about like laser um you know precision like design on facial features like that's how accurate and how well articulated these toys are today back then luke skywalker's toy looked nothing like luke skywalker yeah it was just a generic blonde white kid right (laughs) as luke skywalker it could have been anybody (laughs) yeah and for filmmakers the toys weren't really even thought about but now like all the major studios they think about the merchandising like they plan out like major releases based on like oh is this going to sell toys and yeah you know it's it's a major consideration so and, yeah it's, it's, and the it's big revelation too they mentioned this they're like imagine every single dollar that that just the first star wars movie made or actually no the entire trilogy the entire original trilogy multiply that by four that's how much the toys made so the toys yeah. made more money for george lucas than the movies themselves can you imagine that yeah that, that says it all right there i mean that that's why 
like a show like this, it, it, it is like has significance. You know, there's it's it's very, you know, impactful. Yeah. On, 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 on our world, you know. And so then you flip that you you go to like He-Man yeah. at that point, they realize, oh, toys is a big moneymaker. So they have toy designs, but no vehicle like a movie or or show or cartoon to advertise it. So they create toys and then they, they create the toys first yeah. and then they create a comic book as the vehicle to <laughs> advertise it. Then it turns into a cartoon. So it's almost the reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it, it's interesting to see how, you know, toys have evolved over time because people see it as a big money maker. Yeah. 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 Man. So I too really was into GI Joe growing up. And I, I think that's why that GI Joe episode like really resonated with me. Star Wars as as well, you know, I'm, I'm a longtime Star Wars fan. Um, but I think with the the He-Man episode, with the He-Man episode, I think they they kind of realized that, like, you know, Barbie, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, there was, those are kind of iconic toys, and I think there was an aspect of, like, well, let's, we want to respect, you know, the fans and the creators and everything, at least a little bit. With He-Man, I think they just like, oh, fuck it. Let's just go crazy with this because... They're like, let's throw shit on the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, because right. they just went into a lot of crazy directions. And um, I think the show was really good about not putting these toy designers on a pedestal. They really humanized them and like almost poked fun at a lot of them, particularly with uh, the He-Man episode. Like, definitely it recognized that the creators of He-Man and the masters of the universe are, you know, a big part of like the history of toy collecting, but also they were just like a bunch of wacky dudes too, you know, and, <laughs> and it did, they didn't really pull punches about like kind of showing kind of how petty they are about like getting recognition and about like just their kind of off the wall personalities, you know, <laughs> it, that was a big uh, fun factor for me. I, I think that He-Man episode, even though He-Man has never really been near and dear to my heart, I think that might have been like the best episode. It was definitely the funniest one, I think. Uh, the, the He-Man one, what was interesting there was that there a lot of there there was really no direction. Yeah. They a lot of a lot of things that were pitched were pitched like you know by the seat of their pants. Yeah. Oh and yeah. And again, it's like let's let's throw as much as we can, see what sticks. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. what's interesting is that the original concept for He-Man was a very serious story. It was, I mean, it's clearly drawn from like you know, like the Conan era. Um, you know, what, what else? What else is in Conan the Barbarian? I can't think of anything else that inspired He-Man. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, I, mean, I think they talked a little bit about it, like uh, in the episode where He-Man is is He-Man, but he's also like kind of this stereotype figure, you know, it's just like the the muscle-bound warrior, <laughs> you know, C Conan definitely is an influence, but yeah. Conan's not the only one. I, I mean, mean, so like what I'm, what I'm getting at is that like, yeah. it was originally pitched as like this serious, like, you know, uber macho, like kids have the power to be He-Man yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. then... And, and then I think from there, they sold the toys with the comics so that it could also tell a story. Again, I think the story was, was, was pretty serious. It wasn't until the cartoon hit where uh, there was a, 
you know, a level of campiness. I'm actually maybe a huge level of campiness uh, in the storyline, which I think the creators originally hated, but at the same time it attributed to the success of Mm He-Man because it it drew in such a wider audience and selling more toys. And the designers almost went like even more off the wall with their later characters, right? Yeah. And it was just kind of this cool thing where like, they didn't take their design super seriously because they kind of knew what was working, right? And I, I like the the point you brought up about how it was all kind of just like off the seat of their pants. Like, it was really striking to me in the G.I. Joe episode where they talked about like where Cobra came from. Like in my mind, Cobra Command is like, that's like one of the best fucking villains like in the history of like, <laughs> of, 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 of like geekdom, right? And they talked about how they came up with it. Like the G.I. Joe designers basically were pitching G.I. Joe and like they were asked the question like, oh, well, so who are the Joes going to fight? And they basically just like on the spot, they're like, oh, uh, you know, snake people. Like, let's call them Cobra. <laughs> you know, it, it was literally just like thought of on the spot. And that was just, that blew my mind. I'm like. The, like these great characters like Cobra Commander and Destro and Major Blood and Storm Shadow and all these like great villains like the Baroness like they came from like like a total afterthought yeah. like that's wild to me man like I <laughs> thought like that was like oh that must have been years in the making like they must have been scripting out this shit but they, it wasn't it was no. just like no master plan there was no master plan that, that's insane you the know? only master plan was how much money could we squeeze out of these little kids <laughs> yes and that that was an ongoing theme for like all the episodes like as as revered as some of these toys are like they were really created to to take kids money i mean that's the bottom line right yeah kind of scary right <laughs> <laughs> like i remember they, they talked about uh again that gi joe episodes where um like how they came up with the idea to like tie in toys cartoon and comics and you know, when I was growing up, I thought like, oh, this is great, man. Like, what a great idea. Like, they're really kind of like developing these characters better, like giving them a backstory with the comics and like kind of like broadening the scope of their motivations and stuff. But like th- that, there, there was no like artistry there. That, that, they were just trying to take my money and it totally worked, you know? <laughs> and the, the craziest part was they talked about, there's like this loophole. Like they talked about how like in an advertisement, you like, there were there was all these restrictions, right? So they're like, oh, well, we can get around that by like just putting it all in the comic book, right? We can we can mm-hmm. like advertise mm-hmm. a book and not the toys, right? But then like the book itself was an advertisement, right? So it, it, it's kind of scary, like how they really just sort of like took advantage of of kids, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they continue to take advantage, like, like these kids have grown up, and you know they're still taking our money. Right? Yeah, yeah, no. So these same kids, like us, that have grown up, it's like you know you see these toys, you want to relive your childhood. Yeah. And it's like, oh, let's see how much that is worth, and it's selling for like quadruple the price that it was originally worth at the time. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and boom, you got that. Uh, co- you know, the the collector market has matured. <laughs> yeah. So that's a good segue to like and we, we don't want to go too much longer but you know you as a collector Rainier like when you s- hear about stuff like this like how these toys were kind of created solely to take your money does that kind of like d- do you get a little disillusioned about like oh like 
I was duped or like, like I feel cheated. Like, what, are you conflicted at, at all when you hear stuff like that? You're talking about when I was like thinking about now as a kid? Thinking about now about like... That the toy that I'm playing with was solely designed for me to give my money to these manufacturers. Yeah, and not only that, but maybe even in an updated context where you, when you buy a collectible and whatnot, like, well, the, the bottom line still is sort of to take my money. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, no business can exist without money, right? Yeah. But you know what? I had fun with those toys, and that's the bottom line. As a kid... Man, I had fun with those toys, you know. Yeah. All, all of the, all, all of the things that I imagined in my head, all the stories that I created in my head, like that's priceless to me. You can't uh, put a price on that. Hell yeah, dude! <laughs> I totally agree, man. Like I think about it, and like, and it is kind of scary thinking, like, oh, like there was a plan in place to take my money, and it worked. <laughs> and uh, do I feel like weird about that? And I, I kind of don't. I'm like, well, they got something out of me they, they got my allowance money but <laughs> i got so much out of it on my end so it was it was like it was like a win-win yeah it was like you got what you got you 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 got what you wanted and i got what i like wanted. All, all my childhood friends i met we've met because we played with the same toys like yeah. you can't put a price on that hell yeah that, right that's a great point there's like a like a community aspect to it too right like even like as grown adults, we're like, we can all kind of reminisce and talk about our experiences about it like we're doing right now, you know? Uh, and it's cool. I, I think it's it's kind of a great thing, yeah. you know? It, it's, it's, you can look at it as kind of silly and childish and sort of meaningless, but uh, <laughs> I think there's a lot to um, appreciate about, about this stuff. But you look at the collectible market now, like you have manufacturers that are putting out toys that are labeled as collectible because mm. they're preying on the people <laughs> that are trying to relive that nostalgia, yeah. making them super limited, you know, and marking up the price in the aftermarket because they know that those markets exist. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole different ballgame as an adult. Yeah. And we've had some conversations on, on this topic about collectibles being labeled as collectibles. Yep. Whenever you see that, almost for sure it's not going to go up in value, right? It's not going to be a collectible. Well, it will go up in value to a certain point, and then it'll start to dip back down as the excitement dies down. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you consider all the collectibles that are advertised as limited collectibles at Comic-Con, like, you have people posting that on eBay before they're even released. Yeah, yeah. But in the long run, these items tend not to have, like, a huge value to them right and and we're not talking just toys and we're talking about comic books we're talking about props and you name it anything labeled a collectible you know heads up <laughs> this is probably not going to go up in value a lot in the long run right yeah yeah so um but i would i would say the same thing you know if you're getting what you want out of it it's all good man yeah right <laughs> you do you exactly <laughs> All right. Um, I think we can wrap up this episode. But, yeah, I don't think we talk about collectibles and toys enough because that, that's a big part of geek fandom, right? You collect comics, right? Hell, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I Hell collect yeah. comics. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that goes hand in hand. Like, if you're a geek, if you're into comics, TV shows, and movies. If you collect stamps or coins, <laughs> I mean, hey, I it's think a collection. Yeah, collecting is, is definitely part of it. So, um yeah, I think, you know, we should recognize, I think, and when the, the new episodes uh, come out, I think we should talk about those too. Yeah. Cool. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry and Rainier.